welcome to the Happy Hour Film Club, the podcast where we talk about movies over cocktails. Our theme today is spooky movies. As usual, we do try to avoid major spoilers, but sometimes they do happen. We discuss the films, but we also try really, really hard to talk about them in a way that is both entertaining and leaves you still wanting to watch. Okay, so we're close to Halloween, the spooky season, and our theme is spooky movies. Do you have any movies you have to watch this time of year, Taylor? Yes. So I always have to watch The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's always a really good one. I always also like to watch Young Frankenstein and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh yeah, all solid choices. I love Rocky Horror. Young Frankenstein is one I haven't watched in a long time. I love that movie. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, I remember being really into when I was in junior high or like, you know, around 13, 14 years old. And I think it was just because being kind of goth and emo at the time was in. Mm -hmm. And so loving A Nightmare Before Christmas and Jack Skellington was like the thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I just really like the soundtrack. Like the Danny Elfman soundtrack is so good, and we would always like have that movie playing when we would like decorate for Halloween. Like it would just play in the background. So, so is it a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie or both to you? So to me, I I think it's a Halloween movie. I associate it more with Halloween, and I think maybe that's because I have so many Christmas movies. That I like that, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas just kind of lumps into Halloween. Because there aren't, there are Halloween movies, but just not as many. Yeah, that's fair. And I also think that Tim Burton's style is so dark that it leans more to Halloween than it does Christmas in my mind as well. The whole film yeah, kind of does. It's like a subversion of Christmas. Right, yeah. right. I always loved watching the Halloween tree. Did you ever watch that as a kid? Mm-hmm. No. So it's about these teens that uh, end up in this spooky old house, and this guy sort of sends him them all back in time around the world mm. to these different celebrations of Halloween and rebirth and, you know, kind of celebrating the spirit. And I tried to find it because I remember we had it on VHS, And I was trying to see if they had it on streaming, but I can't find it anywhere. So if any listeners out there know where you can get a copy or find it on streaming, I would love to have that because that was always kind of a classic in our house. Yeah, I've never heard of that one. Um, Hocus Pocus is another one that is always good to watch this time of year. And um, uh, The Addams Family. Mm. Like, Addams Family and Addams Family Values are, like, two movies that are just perfect to watch around Halloween. Right. They're fun and they're just, I love them. Not terribly spooky. We always watch The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Mm. That was a classic. Um, I've always wanted to be the ghost costume with the sheet with all the holes cut into it. I always thought that would be fun. Um, (laughs) And then... Silence of the Lambs is one that I actually really like to watch around Halloween just because it's kind of spooky. And I like scary movies, so I like Hereditary and Midsummer and The Conjuring and more of those horror rated R type films, not just cartoons. Yeah, and I can't really do scary movies. I don't like gore. I can't do thrillers. Like, I mean, I am the person who jumps and, like, screams. Like, 
You have to have that, though. That's part of the entertaining part. Oh, yeah. At least you don't... Do you cry? Are you a crier? Or are you just like... No, no. Okay. I'm ne- <laughs> I don't, I've never cried. Well, some people get scared and then they cry. And that's oh. like, just makes you feel bad. But if you have a friend oh. and you watch a scary movie with them and they jump and they scream, like that's entertaining. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a jumper. And, and even like, you know it's coming. Like, you know it's coming. And I always jump and scream. And then um, probably the annoying thing that I tend to do is, I like, since it is scary... I tend to make fun of it to make it funny, and so I'll make jokes while I'm watching a scary movie because, like, I just want to take myself out of it. <laughs> See, that's why I, I like horror films that are also kind of funny. Like, to me, the Grindhouse films, mm-hmm. if you had seen any of those, which I'm assuming probably not, which is, I wouldn't suggest those for you anyway. Um, they're super gory, but... It depends. I can do, like, Kill Bill. Okay. Like... You know, obviously Kill Bill, there's a lot of blood. Like, for some reason, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's, like, over the top, blood and gut, I don't know. Over-the-top gore is thing, but then the fantastical, maybe haunting or supernatural forces. Does that get you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. There's lots of different genres, I think, within horror that oh, yeah. some people are fine with one thing and not with another. I really don't like dolls I so Chucky I've never seen Chucky I never Mm -hmm. want to see Chucky that's one of those that really freaks me out even um Gremlins which I know is kind of a Christmas movie technically but I think it's so scary and it's just because they're like the animatronics and like the Mm. labyrinth I think is terrifying Mm, never-ending story is just like a horrific film I watched it once and never again it's not my thing Um, but for a lot of people, that's not scary at all. Right, yeah, that sort of fantasy, sci-fi scary versus, like, grindhouse horror story scary. Right. Yeah, there's definitely different, it, you know, they hit differently, and I feel like scary ones, or, like, movies that center around this, like, Halloween and this time of year like even set during the fall like Sleepy Hollow like the one with um Johnny Depp mm-hmm. like I feel like that's a good one to watch this time of year like oh another good one is uh Ichabod Crane the Disney <laughs> cartoon it is good it is good you laugh but I I agree it's a good one and actually the Disney film Coco I think is a great mm-hmm. one especially with yes. Uh, is it Latin American Heritage Month being mm-hmm. just now ending? I think it bleeds a little bit into October. So it kind of hits right at the beginning of that spooky season time. Um, and it's such a good movie. I mean, oh, it makes yeah. me cry. It's not scary at all, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. And actually, I feel like Onward is really good for that too, just oh. because you have that those mystical beings, your elves and your other fantastical creatures I think that kind of lends itself well to Halloween time too yes so when you think about some of your costumes that you've done over the years do you have a favorite like Halloween costume that you wore um yeah that's a hmm so I remember dressing up with a friend in college and we were um, the flight of the concords so she was um, Brett, and I was Jermaine, and <laughs> I wore this, like, 
corduroy jacket and I had we had wigs and like we drew on the facial hair and then um if you've ever seen Fly of the Concords, Brett wears these like animal sweatshirts and my mom actually had like a sweatshirt that had like horses on it or something and so I like borrowed that and like she wore it and and we made like fake guitars and it was a lot of fun. That, that sounds was, awesome. That was a lot of fun, yeah. I have never done well, I guess I have done a like a couple costume or, you know, you have a partner once and I think I was a flapper and my boyfriend was some like a gangster or something. It was stupid though. I didn't like that. That wasn't my favorite. <laughs> he was stupid too, so just for the record. Um <laughs> no hard feelings there, obviously. Um my favorite was actually it wasn't last year or the year before but I was Hulk Hogan and I was gonna say I saw you that night yeah I remember that that was hilarious (laughs) it was a lot of fun uh I got like this WWE belt online but it was for children so obviously too small and the velcro busted off of it partway through the night and so I had to use like bobby pins and kept trying to secure it and would lose it throughout the evening and then I got these um fake mustaches these long blonde mustaches and for a week after I had this mustache rash um (laughs) that was red from wearing it all evening and I remember we did a bar hop and the mustache kept getting in my drinks and I just thought ew how gross it is to like have facial hair oh yeah (laughs) I love facial hair I think it's awesome but as for me it just kept icking me out like I brought extra mustaches just so I could swap them out so I wouldn't have you know my vodka crayon stained stash for the whole evening yeah yeah, that's a that's a good precaution to take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one year, Nick and I dressed up as uh, Scott Pilgrim and Ramona Flowers, and um, you know she had this like bag that she carried, and I like made it myself, and um, we had like the stats, like um, the video game stats that they give the the people in the in the movie, and yeah, that was a really fun costume. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I, feel I like, like spray painted my hair pink. Ooh. And it looked really good and I was like I should totally dye my hair pink. <laughs> you do look good in pink. Yes. Maybe that's the way to go. You can wear all pink like tracksuits and mm. have pink hair. Yeah. It can be a thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a purplish pink thing. Mhm. Yeah. Was, I love it that. It was fun. Yeah. I wish I had I'm not good at planning. I'm really like, throw things together at the last minute. I'm a very type B personality that wishes it were type A. And so I always have all these grand ideas months in advance for Halloween, and then I follow through on none of them. Mm-hmm. So I end up being, like, a lumberjack because I have a toboggan plaid. and plaid. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, something else goofy. I feel like I've done... Oh, I did try to do a Cousin Eddie once, but I looked a little frumpy I don't know what it was it just wasn't working I tried to get the boxers and I had like the hat the hat wasn't right and I didn't have a cigar so I think maybe Um, maybe it just wasn't really following through on what was needed oh cousin Eddie from family vacation or Christmas vacation Christmas vacation yeah okay Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. 
like shitters full that yeah. scene because a- I really want to get like one of those hoses you mm-hmm. know to carry around with me so I can yeah I went to uh boo in the zoo at Potawatomi mm-hmm. or no it was yeah I don't know it was an adult they had alcohol and like a beer tent and it was at night and um Anyways, we went, and there was a couple, and one was Cousin Eddie, and then the other was the, I guess, the wife. I don't mm-hmm. know, remember her name from that movie, but it was, like, the best costume, like, couple's costume I've ever seen. I was like, this is amazing. So, okay, so, Riley, what spooky movie did you choose? I chose The Cabin in the Woods, um, which I feel like I should apologize, maybe. To you, Taylor. <laughs> but I'm interested to see what you think. Uh, but what movie did you choose? Oh, so I chose Coraline. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Both two really good films, so um, we'll have a lot to talk about. Very different films. But first, cocktails. Cocktails. Uh, hey, Nick. Hello. Thanks for joining us again this week uh, with another fantastic cocktail and your lovely dog, Nola, who is always just so, so distraught outside the door anytime we leave her alone in the house. So That's, that's true. The moment she's excluded, she's not happy. Yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> well, give her some brandy and it'll shut her right up. Uh, just true, kidding. That's a terrible true, thing to say. But disclaimer: Do not give your dog alcohol. That's yeah, a bad, that's a really bad idea. In case you already didn't know, PSA: Yes, alcohol is not great for dogs. No. Okay, but it's great for us. So, what that kind? Being said, yeah. What what cocktail are you bringing to us today? So I am bringing a spooky drink because it's spooky times. Mm. But it, but it's a cocktail, so it's uh. Still alcoholic, nothing crazy. Uh, I should that that would be mean of me to be like, ah, it's a trick. It's not alcoholic. Oh, it's like a it's, it's a trick instead of a treat. Yeah, exactly. No, this is a treat cocktail. Um, this one comes to us via a website called Sprinkles and Sprouts. Even though uh, I modified this pretty heavily or somewhat, uh, it is called the Haunted Graveyard. Um, so it is a bourbon-based drink. Uh, it's a little folly because it's got a little bit of maple syrup in it. And uh, uh, Originally, this drink was only supposed to have bourbon and maple syrup. And when we tested this out, it was not great. <laughs> it was very thick. And I don't think your cocktail should be... Yeah, your cocktail shouldn't be that thick. Riley's mm-hmm. making a face. Yeah, not but, an, a thick drink mm-mm. unless it's like frozen or has like egg white or something that's the only acceptable but even egg white it's like frothy right it's not thick yeah if if you're yeah it was it was not good so we had to we had to make some modifications to make it work so uh with this um i'll let y'all try it first before i tell you what's in it oh gosh i mean it's not bad one of everything from the fridge yeah hmm Surprise, I put gravy in it. No, that's not true. No, it's really good. Sour. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, it has a nice sourness to it. That's a good. I like the. Is it bourbon that's in it then? It is bourbon. Um, so it's two ounces of bourbon, a half ounce of maple syrup. Originally, it's supposed to be an ounce of maple syrup, hmm. um, but I cut that way back. And then to kind of dilute it, um, a half ounce of lemon juice. Uh, you're supposed to put a lot of orange slices in it, um, and then uh, some rosemary. And you put all that in your mixer or in your uh, shaker and you shake it all up with some ice to muddle and infuse everything together. And then you serve it over glass. So if you get a little piece of rosemary, I apologize, um, <laughs> but you might have a little bit of rosemary in there. But um, I feel like the rosemary doesn't come through a whole lot honestly i think because of the citrus being as strong of a flavor as it is yeah i get a lot of citrus and it smells just like orange juice honestly it doesn't i can't smell the bourbon really and if we had a blowtorch i would have blowtorched the rosemary Ooh. but we don't have put that on the list i feel like the orange comes through a lot Mm -hmm. and that covers the um the bourbon quite a bit what's sour uh, the lemon juice. The lemon juice. Oh, okay. The lemon yes, juice yes, comes yes. In. Oh, I okay. See. I was wondering because yeah. it's it definitely has a bite, and then it's kind of nice because it's this really cold, refreshing drink, kind of tropical because of the citrus at the front end, and then the bourbon kind of hits the back of your throat, and then you get that like warming chest yeah. sort of thing yeah. from the bourbon, and it's really nice and cozy. This isn't far off from a, from a sour variation called a maple bourbon sour. Mm. and you just replace your simple syrup with uh, maple syrup and you just make a full sour but we're not too far off from that but I tried (laughs) I tried to uh, not go that far well I appreciate you not just dishing out the maple syrup I'm giving you the viscous uh, (laughs) uh, bourbon and maple syrup yeah Okay. That, that was a little much, but yeah, no, this is this is a great little fall drink. Uh, it's again, it's called the Haunted Graveyard. Um, there's a lot of uh, spooky cocktails out there. Right. Well, mm. and I definitely I like this one because it's easy enough to make at home. It feels a little special. It's a little nicer than maybe a hot toddy, which has got some of those similar flavor profiles too. Yeah. But if you have made some other cocktails that we featured on the pod then you'll already have the ingredients most of them to make this drink so i think that's great well thank you so much for making this and i'm glad that uh we were able to do some improvising with the drink and as always you've done a fantastic job oh thank you 10 out of 10 oh appreciate it mm-hmm. yeah happy happy drinking you All right, so let's get into the movies. Uh, Riley, how about you tell us about your movie? Okay, so uh, when we decided to do a spooky episode, I wanted to take into account that Taylor here is not a fan of scary movies. Um, Cabin in the Woods, to me, is one of those horror films that's so over the top that it keeps you from crossing over into the whole, like, I'm going to have nightmares about this realm. Um, But that's just my opinion, so I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about the film a little later, Taylor. Um, But the 2011 movie, Cabin in the Woods, starts us off in what seems to be kind of a large work facility 
We piece together that there are other facilities around the world who are doing similar work, but we're not really clear on what that work is. Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford play our two middle-aged employees who seem to be unconcerned with whatever it is that they are about to carry out, um, even though they seem like they're kind of top dogs in whatever company they're a part of. It almost gives those like kind of men in black vibes where everyone employed at MIB is a little too comfortable with the fact that they work alongside aliens. So that's the first sort of notes of maybe this is kind of a sci-fi thing that I got at least. Well, again, we have no idea what these two men are doing. They set the scene of a military base-esque operation. And rather than jump scares and men in masks, we get some casual conversation about child-proofing cabinets. So not super scary, kind of almost a little misleading with this cold open, I would say. After that, we cut abruptly into Cabin in the Woods, the title screen, and we transition to a college campus where we meet Dana, Kurt, Jules, Marty, and Holden. Actually, I think it's Dana. I said that wrong. But these college pals are packing up for a weekend at Kurt's cousin's new cabin. And wouldn't you believe it, it's a cabin in the woods. Despite being a horror film, which I feel like often lends to poor acting and a terrible script, we get an ensemble cast and Joss Whedon as our script collaborator, along with the director of the film, Drew Goddard. Now, Goddard has his hands in a lot of familiar titles, like The Good Place, which is on Netflix right now, The Martian, and Lost, even. But beyond that, we have an all-star cast made up of names like Chris Hemsworth, Jesse Williams, Sigourney Weaver, Amy Acker, and even more. So right off the bat, we know that the acting is going to be stellar and we won't have to worry about the film relying entirely on fear and gore to be good. The group of college friends take off and make their way to a cabin, which is spooky and decorated with all kinds of gruesome artifacts like a wolf's head and a painting of people ripping one another apart, which I'm not sure if it's even people. It kind of looks like it's maybe demons or something. As the friends explore the cabin, we're introduced to the real work being done at the facility from the beginning of the movie. So we kind of like flashback here. Er, flashback isn't the right word. We jump back to the facility. So they have cameras hidden throughout the cabin, watching and controlling the environment there as if it's all part of some kind of experiment. A bunch of workers at the facility start taking bets, but for what we're like really not sure yet and a sequence of events leads the friends down into the basement of the cabin where they discover an array of artifacts, one of which is a diary. Dana, played by Kristen Conley, picks up the diary and begins to read it out loud, an excerpt that depicts a young girl and her family's obsession with like pain worshiping. So she's depicting her mother screaming all night and like not giving in to the Lord or something. It's very much like a religious culty kind of vibe. So it's pretty creepy. From there, shit gets really weird. Cue pain worshiping redneck zombies, sacrificial killings, and many attempted escapes gone horribly wrong. I will say that while I don't personally find this film scary, it is seriously brutal. They really lean into the use of sharp farm equipment and fake blood. And maybe I just have a dark sense of humor, but I don't find gore to be all that scary necessarily. I find that this film particularly 
introduces the character tropes that you typically see in scary movies and pokes a lot of fun at like life-threatening situations, which can be kind of hilarious, especially because you have that dynamic of the people who are watching who know what is going to happen and about to happen, and then the people who have no idea and they're just completely blindsided. So there are lots of comedic bits, a lot of really good one-liners in there. Um, and even just the fact that we have redneck zombies is hysterical to me. But I picked the film, which means obviously I'm a fan of it. So what did you think, Taylor? Um, so yeah, this movie is not what I expected at all. Like I had definitely heard of it and like seen like the movie poster, but pretty much wrote it off as something that I wouldn't be interested in because yeah, it looks like a scary movie. (laughs) And so I didn't know about like, I guess that, that twist of it isn't what you think it is and it's more sci-fi than anything else and like the ending especially with the like hodgepodge of different monsters um that at that point I was like yeah this is just straight up like sci-fi which I can get behind because I love sci-fi but the juxtaposition between that sci-fi um kind of fantasy vibe but then you do have that jump scare gory scary movie vibe too um, it was definitely like, I feel like it worked, but it definitely wasn't what I was expecting because I definitely, you know, was watching it and I had to cover my eyes in certain parts <laughs> cause it was scary and it was gory and they definitely had those jump scares that I always, always like, they always get me like without fail. So, um, and yeah, all the farm equipment and like the gore and stuff, but Um, I feel like they definitely played into the tropes and I get that that's what they were doing. Like it was very tongue in cheek and it was intentional, but some of it, I think maybe rubbed me the wrong way. Like, especially like, yeah, the sexualizing of the female characters and like the objectification and like even some of the exposition of it. Um, and like at the beginning, you know, she's like in her underwear, like, packing for like their weekend away and you know she's just kind of like dancing around and I'm like oh yeah of course and then you know and then like a character even points it out like oh you're in your underwear like mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I also felt like okay if you have Chris Hemsworth in this movie and you know there's obviously a topless scene you know of the other like the female character and I'm just like, oh, it's such a missed opportunity not to have Chris Hemsworth also be topless. Like, come on. Like, I don't know. When almost every other character is topless at some point. Oh, absolutely. Right. And um, I also liked, um, oh, the merman thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the well, and the bedding where, and, you, and you're right, you don't really know what they're bedding for or mm-hmm. what they're bedding on. Mm-hmm. But I even paused it and I read everything that they had, like, written down and it it was hilarious. And then, obviously, ended up being redneck zombies. So, they're like, all right, who got redneck zombies? Uh (laughs) And they're like, maintenance, okay, like, come get your money. And And split it with the intern. (laughs) Yeah, split it with the intern. And then I also liked how, yeah, they, like, were celebrating and they had, like, everyone had, like, margaritas and, like, chips and salsa and, like, tequila and it was, yeah, 
I liked that part. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard because I don't want to give too much of the movie away necessarily. Yeah. But I think I get what you are saying with the sexualization mm-hmm. of the female characters and the male characters, really. Um, but again, I think that's the trope that they were leaning into was that you right. have the setup, you have young, attractive college students who go out and they make these really dumb decisions but because the people at this facility they're like orchestrating this whole thing they are making sure that they fulfill those character roles and it actually took us this next time watching it because I only saw this for the first time probably two years ago they mention how vastly different the characters are from the beginning Mm -hmm. where we are introduced with them these smart driven kids and then in this cabin scenario they end up being kind of turning into different people yeah like you have the dumb jock archetype and the super you know sex crazed blonde and you have the virgin and you have, you know, the pothead and, you know, you have all of these roles that they're filling, but they don't really start filling those roles until they get to the cabin. Yeah. And so it kind of shows that this is not a reality. Right. You know, this is being orchestrated by these people. Mm-hmm. And regardless of them being attractive or not, you know, they are really kind smart kids they just run into these really weird situations right right and it's being like rigged Mm -hmm. and because i that's probably what i did enjoy is like the because the one character that is plays into the pothead role Mm -hmm. he even says he's just like why are you guys acting like this like he's a socioeconomics major like and he's calling his friend an egghead like Right. Like that, like in what world does that make sense? Exactly, exactly. And he's, I love his character because he kind of brings it all together. He's Mm -hmm. the most grounded out of all of them, Um, which is just kind of funny. He has this very Scooby Doo, uh, like shaggy mentality almost. He's very, very shaggy esque. Um, And this is like a weird sidebar, but he when he first rolls up and we're introduced to him, he's in his, like, station wagon, and he's got this massive bong that Mm -hmm. collapses down into a coffee mug. Yeah. And they make those. That's real. And they cost, like, $5,000. It's insane. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of wild. But I was like, ooh, that's kind of cool. And then I, like, looked it up, and it's real pricey. Wow. Um, Yeah. Kind of, kind of a weird. Fun That's fact. where all their budget went. Into. Straight Just there, buying that prop. <laughs> <laughs> but did you enjoy it overall? Did you yeah. feel like it was yeah. funny? Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. I really just, and it just wasn't what I expected at all. Because I know you told me it was like a scary movie, but also sci-fi, and there was like a twist. So I was kind of expecting that. But even like, like you said, it, it starts out in like some facility and yeah they're talking about baby proofing cabinets and stuff and it's just like where is this going Mm -hmm. and um and I could definitely tell it was a Joss Whedon like that he worked on the script it it definitely sounded like a Joss Whedon yeah I'm glad you didn't hate it I was a little nervous uh (laughs) when when I picked this one but I I'm glad it was different than what you had expected so yes uh now, your movie 
I, I think is very different from the one I chose, but go ahead and tell us what you picked. Okay, so when I was thinking through spooky movies, obviously I don't typically like uh, scary, gory, thriller, horror movies, um, but I was trying to think through, you know, what, what would be a good spooky movie to choose, and um, Coraline definitely came up, so uh, here we go. Coraline is a 2009 stop-motion animated dark fantasy film written and directed by Henry Selick, who directed The Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach. And it's based on Neil Gaiman's 2002 novella of the same name. Produced by Laika as the studio's first feature film, it features the voice talents of Dakota Fanning, Terry Hatcher, Jennifer Saunders, Don French, Keith David, John Hodgman, Robert Bailey Jr., and Ian McShane. The film tells the story of an 11-year-old girl, Coraline, whose family has moved into an old house somewhere far away from their former home. Coraline misses her friends, and school and doesn't like her current situation at all. Exploring the old house, she finds a secret door that leads to an idealized parallel world. Coraline is drawn into this sugar-coated alternate reality, completely unaware that it contains a dark and sinister secret. I don't want to give too much away because I feel like there are some twists and I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But the film was theatrically released in the United States on February 6th, 2009 by Focus Features and was met met with generally positive reviews from critics. And the film grossed about $16 million during its opening weekend, um, ranking third at the box office and by the end of its run had grossed over $124 million worldwide. And that made it the third highest grossing stop motion film of all time after Chicken Run and Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, which is also a really great spooky family-friendly movie and also stop motion animation. I kind of feel like there's something about stop motion animation that lends itself to kind of spookiness. Yeah, I think it doesn't quite, it's not smooth. I feel like like, it's off-putting. Right, it just sort of pulls you out a little bit of Mm -hmm. the story because you notice that things look different. Mm -hmm. The film received nominations for an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature and a Golden Globe Award for Best Animated Feature Film. Coraline is super spooky. It's got creepy dolls, spooky ghost children, and a scary spider lady made out of needles. It even has a super creepy score with like an eerie sounding children's choir. Um, I love the character. I didn't get that. Could you try again? Oh, okay. Speaking of spooky. Uh, Spooky, Siri is uh, wanting to join our podcast. Uh, (laughs) I love the character design and I'm always a big fan of uh, Laika's stop motion animation. And Neil Gaiman is like one of my favorite authors of all time. Um, So I have a couple fun facts Mm -hmm. about the movie. So it took 10 years for Neil Gaiman to write the book. Apparently he wrote it, he started out writing it just in his free time as like a personal project that he was writing it for his um, daughters. He always had Henry Selick in mind to make the film into a stop motion animation. 
Um, but apparently at some point it was going to be a live action with Michelle Pfeiffer as the other mother, which sounded like good casting. And I feel like Dakota Fanning could have played Coraline, mm-hmm. like a live action version of Coraline. I don't know how old she was when she did the voice acting, but I feel like she was still like a pretty younger young. age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another fun fact is um, completing the film involved over 500 people over four years, and principal photography alone took 18 months. Crazy. Um, it's that stop motion. It takes forever to do that. Just even the storyboarding, I can't imagine. Yeah, like the animators um, to do, it will take them like a week to just do two seconds mm-hmm. of film. Yeah. Yeah, this I thought was really, really cool. So Coraline's tiny gloves were knitted by hand by a miniature knitter who made six pairs of gloves with silk. And a single garment that small took anywhere from six weeks to six months from concept, uh, from conceptual design to finished product. Some of the needles used were as small and fine as human hair. So oh my gosh. I can't, like, imagine just, like, it just, it'd be so fiddly. <laughs> what a particular skill set to a miniature knitter. Yeah. It's wild. Yes. Um, and typically it took 10 people about three to four months to construct a single Coraline puppet. Uh, so Coraline had 28 identical puppets, and the main one stood at about nine and three-quarter inches tall. And the puppets had over 6,300 face replacements that were 3D printed. That is something that I had thought about with this film in particular. I feel like with other stop-motion animation films that I've seen, there isn't much change in the characters themselves. So the face designs and all the expression work that has to be done is quite elaborate. But in Coraline specifically, with there being two worlds, you have essentially two sets of characters, one for the real world and one for this fantasy world. And not only that, but within the fantasy world, there are so many iterations of the characters because as you move throughout that storyline like the spider mom the other mother Mm -hmm. she kind of devolves into her true form right and so do the rest of the characters Mm -hmm. so as they start sort of almost deteriorating in a way that means that each iteration of that character you're seeing has to be constructed and changed and to me that's just an insurmountable amount of work it's a lot of work so so much and but it was so cool to see it was really fun because sometimes there were really small changes that happened from scene to scene with the characters and sometimes there were huge changes with their body and their height and their shape and it was really really well done I thought it's been Mm -hmm. a long time since I've seen Coraline probably honestly 2009 when it came out but it was cool to watch it again. Yeah, and depending on like the the angles or like the scene they're shooting, like they'll have a puppet that is a different scale. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they're like two hundred percent scale. Sometimes they're a hundred percent. You know, so the the scaling of the different um, puppets. So it makes sense that you have to have like multiple puppets for each character. So. Well, and I wonder, too, with this, you mentioned the 3D 
printing, I, with other stop motion films that came out before 3D printing was as accessible as it is now, or even in 2009, what was the difference either in time that it took to make Mm -hmm. these films or what decisions were made to kind of save on some of that time? Um, Especially with those expressions, you think about just like taking off and replacing these faces for every teeny millisecond of film that you're getting. Yeah, in this, so Leica was the first to do that for a feature film, to do 3D printing uh, faces for for a feature film. So they were pioneering that. And I'm sure it did save time because the alternative is they're all handmade. Right. Which I think, like when you look at Nightmare Before Christmas, um, Jack Skellington was the main character and he had the most... um, different faces but he had a very simple face he was, was a skeleton face like mm-hmm. obviously he had different expressions but there was no hair mm-hmm. you know it was pretty simple mm-hmm. and that was all but done by hand but then when you look at Coraline you know she had hair and a nose and lips and skin you know obviously a skeleton's a skeleton right so it's just like that's a big difference mm-hmm. a lot a lot of work went into her expressions and she does have a very expressive face I think knowing that she's an 11 year old I kind of missed that in the film I knew she was young but hearing that kind of clicks in my mind of like oh that's why she acted the way she did and Dakota Fanning did a great job with her Mm -hmm. that voice acting was wonderful and a lot of fun to watch too and really it didn't to me even though I knew it was Dakota Fanning it was kind of hard to hear it almost like she had this kind of like Michigander accent, you know, this northern UP accent throughout it, which was really good. Yeah, because Coraline, they say at the beginning she moved from Pontiac, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought it was really good. It's been a long time, like I said, since I had seen it. And I, again, I don't do dolls. Uh, Puppets are not a thing for me. Dolls kind of creep me out. So I was a little curious as to how I'd feel about it because I do remember watching Coraline and it freaked me out for sure because just the doll, you know, the doll that she has that looks like herself that she carries around. It's like, ugh, spooky. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to ask you if you felt like it was a spooky movie. It's definitely a spooky movie. Coraline, the story itself is very spooky. It kind of has this um Grimm's fairy tale Mm -hmm. feeling to it and I think that's only supported by the stop motion you know that kind of character creation that is done with stop motion characters because Wallace and Gromit they're kind of fluffier if that makes sense like those characters feel softer and they're true, like, claymation. Right. Like blobs of clay. Yeah, blobs of clay. <laughs> they feel like blobs of clay. But yeah. Coraline feels a little edgier. It's sharper. The characters aren't as inviting. They're not even all that fun to look at. I find that claymation, or at least the stop motion that they do in Coraline, the characters are kind of gross looking, and they make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um I think of the two women that live in the basement of the apartment house that Coraline and her family has moved into. Yeah, they have, like, very... Well, the neighbors especially all have very exaggerated features. Yes, absolutely. And the exaggerated features make them kind of uncomfortable to look at. Almost, like, grotesque. Yeah, honestly. And so it 
definitely strikes that, oh, this is kind of spooky. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Here are these weird things that these people are doing, um, like getting their dogs stuffed or um, training mice to be a part of the circus, but maybe being like a drunk old man. You know, there, there are definitely some character flaws that are introduced that make you feel like, what kind of place are we in here? And it doesn't feel like the real world. They don't make these characters approachable or relatable in any way. But at the end, you still get that nice, wholesome, full circle sort of character development with pretty much everybody, which I thought they did a really good job of, even the more minor characters. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our special spooky episode. Um, as usual, it would be nice um, if you subscribe to the podcast. Um, definitely get on Instagram and follow us. That's where we post most of our um, upcoming episodes and like cocktail recipes. And also be sure to let us know what you've enjoyed and comment any changes that you have. Um, and let us know in our DMs if you have some movie picks that you'd like us to consider or just like to suggest to us because we're always down and ready to watch some new films. So thanks so much for listening and we will catch you guys next time. Bye!